All right, Faith Promise, how are we doing this weekend? <laughs> Woo, welcome. Welcome. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Psalmist said, I would rather spend one day in the courts of God than 10,000 elsewhere into the presence of God. Worship was incredible. I love that song about Pentecost and the power of God. It's just incredible. We love you guys so much. All 10 campuses, God behind bars, every campus. We love you so much. We're thrilled that you're with us. Online this weekend, some of you guys are on your way to spring break. We're thrilled. Maybe for some of you, the first time you've been on our online campus, welcome. We're thrilled that you're there. It's time change weekend. Are y'all guys okay? Did everybody make it? Come on, somebody. I, come on, it's going to be all right. You're going to get used to it about next week. It's going to be all right. I love Faith Promise. I, I think Faith Promise is such a gift of God to people that are in desperate need, real people with real problems. I think God's gift to them is us. And I was talking to a man years ago who came and was really struggling, almost sort of church abuse kind of stuff, had been through one church battle after the other. And he came and visited and loved it, and we began a relationship. And he'd been there a few months, and, and he said this to me. He said, Pastor, he said, it looks like, a, it looks like an oasis. Don't let it be a mirage. Don't let it be a mirage. Real people that have real problems, right where they are, experiencing the love of God, the real love of God, not a, not a mirage, the real love of God. Amen? Y'all with it? That's what we want to be. It's difficult. There's a war, and I'm going to share a message that I believe God has just really uniquely given us for really such a time as this, especially in the 500 reasons why we're going to bring people. Now, no matter what question that you're asked in the Bible, let me help you. If you've ever played biblical trivia, as a pastor, I never play Bible trivia. Are you with me? I never play that game because people won't ever come back to church when they realize how little that I know. I don't know who Hezekiah's wife was. I'm so sorry. I've, you know, I just don't know. But what, let me tell you what I've learned. Really, the answer to almost every biblical, biblical question is Jesus He's just the answer. Are you with me? He's the answer. And so whenever you open up the Word of God, you will find Jesus on every page. So many people go to the Scriptures to find principles to live by, but we actually need to have a higher view. We need to go to the Scriptures to see Jesus. It's almost like a treasure hunt. A person, not principles, that we are looking for Jesus because he is on every page. He is the victor of every story. As a matter of fact, we're going to see today. I don't know about you, but when I read a Bible story, I tend to put myself in the hero role. Do y'all do that? When you read David and Goliath, you're not the Philistine, right? Because you can't slam a basketball flat-footed. You're not nine foot six. Okay, you're not Saul. Who are you? <laughs> I'm David. I'm the giant killer. Come on. Elijah on Mount Carmel praying the fire down. I'm not the false prophets. I'm not the weaselly Israelites. I'm Elijah. We're going to look at another well-known passage of Scripture. Now, some of you won't know this. That's cool. Some of you have never been in church. That's all right. Man, we're just thrilled you're here. Kick the tires. Take it for a test ride. 
Come on, you get a little Jesus on you, you'll be back. You know, it's like Lay's potato chips. You can't eat just one. You'll, you, you really will. So the story is we call it the Good Samaritan. It's not what it says in Scripture, but that's what we name it. Matter of fact, we now talk about someone being a good Samaritan means they care for other people. We found the story in Luke's Gospel, the 10th chapter. A lawyer stood up. Now, in the New Testament and Old Testament, they say lawyer. They're not talking to someone that's been to law school and understands jurisprudence. They're talking about an expert in the Levitical law, which they still held in this day. So this guy was an expert on the Old Testament. A lawyer stood up and put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And your neighbor as yourself. This is the Shama, Deuteronomy, considered to be the most, most the, the, the premier passage, the premier verse in all the Older Testament. And he said to them, you've answered correctly, do this and you'll live. But wishing to justify himself, this is a bad move. He said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied and said, to answer his question, he tells the story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. They stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. By chance, a priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite. Also, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him. When he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. He put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn. And took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him. Do what to him? And whatever more you spend when I return, I'll do what? Spirit of God, would you open our minds to the multifaceted truth, the mysteries of of God and the church and salvation in a way that we've never seen it before. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, this story is about Jesus. We don't see that. He's telling the story. We don't see him talk about himself in the story. But the lawyer comes to Jesus and says, I want to go to heaven. How does that happen? I want to make sure that I'm going to heaven. You ever had anybody ask you that? What do you have to do to get to heaven? So that's what he says. So he says, that's no problem. The Shama. Love God with everything you are, every cell of your body, every day, all the time, and love everybody just like you love God 100% of the time, and you'll do well. Now, because we don't understand the Levitical law, because we don't understand the Jewish culture, we don't realize what Jesus has just said to the man is impossible. Can you love God 24-7, never fail, and love everybody you see 24-7, just like you love yourself and never fail? Can y'all do that? No, we don't even get that in the passage. But the lawyer gets it. So he realizes, okay, now I'm on shaky ground because I can't do that. So wishing to justify himself, so I got to get myself back in. So who's my neighbor? Jesus tells a story. And I love Jesus because he died for us. I love Jesus because he rose from the grave. I love Jesus because he saved me. But I love Jesus because he rocks the status quo. 
See, in this story, he's about to get in everybody's face. He's about to thump racism. He's about to thump religion. He's about to get all up in everybody's grill, and we don't quite even realize it. Now, Jesus asked the man some questions. Is it because Jesus did not know the answer? Of course not. Jesus not only knows the answer, Jesus is the answer. Amen? Come on, he is the answer. He's the answer. And what Jesus knew was that, that the, the lawyer's heart was full of prejudice. See, Jesus always knows our issue. The rich young ruler, go give everything away. Not happening. So he looks at the lawyer, and he, and he tells a story. And he said, a, a man, a Jew, left Jerusalem and is going to, to Jericho. It's a well-traveled road then. It's, I've been on that road today. I mean, I've been on, not today, but last time I was in Israel. And so, again, we have, by the way, there's just, I think, four or five spots left for the October trip. Contact my sister and Gloria if you want more information, but to Israel this year. So it's a well-known road, and, and we see this guy. We don't know his name. We just know a dude left from Jerusalem. He's going down. And so we don't, we don't know. We don't know who he is, but we, we know he's this unmanned name in the story. Now, let me tell you who the unmanned who the unnamed man represents, that's us. We're not the good Samaritan. We don't love everybody all the time perfectly, do we? No, no, no. We are the dude in the ditch. And so the dude is in the ditch, and, and all of us have been in the ditch, haven't we? So the dude is in the ditch because he was going from here to there, and some of us have been in the ditch, but some of us live in the ditch because we've got what I call destination disease. Because we're going from here to there. We're not happy today, but we're going to be happy when we get there. We graduate high school. Then when we graduate college. And then when we get a good job. And then when we get married. And then when we get divorced. Come on, are you with me? And then when we have kids, I'll be happy then, oh, thank God, if they'll ever move out. <laughs> see, we keep, we keep moving the mark, don't we? Because, see, we're looking for outside for joy, and joy is an inside job. We're looking for victory, outside victory is an inside job. Peace is an inside job. Because we, we, we we've been in the ditch, we'll be in the ditch again, and we're around people that are in the ditch. So the guy's traveling from here to there, and what happens to him? Life happens to him. Have you ever just been going from here to there and life just smashed you right in the face? I mean, you didn't see it coming, a sucker punch. When I grew up, we fought all the time. Gang fights, fights, there was always fights. And we knew that who threw the first punch was going to win. So, man, we were all about sucker punch, never see it coming. Well, see, life will sucker punch you when the doctor says cancer. When your spouse says, I don't love you anymore. When the boss says, we're downsizing. When the bank says, you're broke. Are you with me? We could go on and on and on. We're just walking down the road. We're going from here to there, Jerusalem to Jericho. And all of a sudden, life just bashes us in the teeth. That's what happened to this guy. That, that's where he's, he's, he's laying in the ditch. He's half naked. He's beaten half to death. And he's laying there waiting to die. That's, that's just that's, that's what happens. That's what's going on. Life 
And, and this is what people ask all the time. Well, I don't understand. Why did that happen to this guy? Why do bad things happen, Pastor? How come bad things happen to good people? Do you know what? No one has ever asked me, why do good things happen? No one's ever said, hey, you know, Pastor, I didn't deserve that. I don't understand why God gave me all that. I don't understand why I have health and why if you're married, you got a great spouse. And I don't understand why I have a job and why I have money, why I have a car, why I have a house. I don't understand why I'm getting weight because I ate so much. I don't understand. I don't understand. Why does all this good stuff happen to me? Nobody asks that question, do they? It shows our prejudice. See, we think we deserve everything good and, we don't let, and nothing bad should ever happen to us. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. We live in a wicked world, cursed by God, I mean, you know, dominated by the devil. It's a wicked world, and stuff is going to happen. Does that make sense? So life has just crapped on this guy. This guy's been beaten down. He's laying there waiting to die to have the buzzards come eat him. Literally, the vultures are going to come eat him. And a priest, what does the priest represent? Not God. Religion. And religion walks, and religion says, dude, man, God, I bet that hurt. What happened when they beat your teeth out? Did, they, did you spit those out? Did you swallow those? Dude, do you know that you're bleeding from about 12 places? God must suck to be you. You do know the vultures are in that tree because they're waiting for you to die. See ya. Because, see, that's the only thing religion can do for you. Religion can't get you out of a ditch. Religion can't heal your wounds. Religion can't put you back together. Religion or the law, the priest, can only say, look in the mirror, you sinned. You blew it. That's all the law can do. It can't save you. It can't forgive you. It can just show you that you have you have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that, that we are not perfect. That's all. And so religious, okay, sucks to be you. See you. Peace out, baby. Levite does the exact same things. Except, and now Jesus is about to jump up in the middle of the social construct. See, we all live in this world, in this East Tennessee construct of racism and all this stuff that goes on that, that's so around us, we don't even notice it anymore. Are you with me? See, this, this, this lawyer that's listening to the story of this, by Jesus doesn't even think about his prejudice and hatred for people. He doesn't even realize. The Samaritans, the, I mean, rejection of, I mean, because let me tell you, the, the good Samaritan we're about to talk about, he doesn't represent you and me. We're in the ditch. He represents Jesus. And the Samaritan people rejected by the Jews, and Jesus was rejected by his own. Are y'all with me? See, Jesus is a type, the Samaritan is a type of Christ. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his unlove toward us, and while we were all sinners, while we were in the ditch, while we couldn't do anything for God, Jesus died for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He knew that we were in the ditch. He knew that we couldn't get out of the ditch. He knew that we couldn't save ourselves. He knew that religion couldn't help us. So God sent Jesus to get us out of the ditch. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Come on, somebody. And so the Samaritan band takes his wine, pours it on, wipes down all the wounds, takes his olive oil, bathes those wounds, then bandages them up, 
picks him up, puts him on his own animal, and he walks just like Jesus walked up the Via Della Rosa with the cross. And he pulls the man draped over his draped over his own animal. Now, can I tell you, I, I, I love movies. E, e, movie buffs here. I, I love movies. This is a perfect ending. I've watched movies that think, okay, it's over. That was incredible, only to find there's 30 more minutes, a whole other story. And that's what's about to happen. Again, perfect place. Jeez, you know, the Samaritan goes off into the sunset taking care of the dude that was in the ditch. The end, live happily ever after. But, but that's not the end of the story. See, Jesus, the Samaritan, takes the dude in the ditch to the end, spends all night taking care of him. The guy still can't leave. He goes to the innkeeper and says, here's two denarii. I'm paying for last night. Take care of my buddy. I'm coming back, and whatever you spend, I'll give it back to you. That's what he said, right? And so Jesus finishes the story, and this is what he said. Hey, dude, let me ask you a question. Which of the three of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy. He didn't say Samaritan. He wouldn't even speak it off his lips. He just so hated them. The Jews would literally go the long way around Samaria, quicker to go through it. They would go around it so not to soil their feet with the dust of the city of Samaria. Well, I guess the one who showed mercy toward him, then Jesus said to him, do what? Go and do. That's how you're supposed to live. Now, we, we, we all understand we can't live like that 24 hours, seven days a week. That's why we know we need Jesus. And that's what Jesus is actually revealing to the to the lawyer that, yeah, you, you, you got the Old Testament law, but you realize all you can do is find somebody guilty. I can make them innocent. He, God found me guilty, and, and Jesus made me innocent. I don't know about you. My slate is clean. Do I deserve that? No. <laughs> but it's so good, isn't it? Let me give you one more thought. Can you handle one more? And this goes along the line of the 500 reasons of why we're going to bring, to bring people for Easter. So the, the dude in the ditch is us, right? The good Samaritan is Jesus, right? The end is the church. The end is the church. Let me give you four thoughts from the end. Four thoughts about people from the end. Number one, the ends were always in proximity to pain. See, in that day, ends developed. They were just someone's house who added an extra lean-to or a room or put a couple cots, and they were where people would travel, but they couldn't make it from Jerusalem all the way to Jericho. So there were places that you would stop. There were places that were dangerous, that if you walked at night, you were going to be mugged, robbed. You were going to be just exactly like what happened to the dude in the ditch. So they did, so they so ends sprang up. And ends were where people had pain. Isn't that where churches should be? Where people have pain? Where people that have been picked up from the roadside, that have been, that have been brutalized, that have been tortured, that have been, that have been ripped off, that have been left to dead, to be picked up and brought to the end of God called the church. Does that make sense? See, all of us were in the ditch wounded, right? So here now we're in the end, and we have the truth of God laying in our laps. 
And here's the problem. See, we've been in the end now long enough, and we've forgotten what it felt like when we were on the side of the road waiting for the buzzers to come eat our eyes out, that we now think the end is for us. That's what, see, that's East Tennessee religion. It's for us. I had a conversation with one of our campus pastors this past week, and he was brokenhearted. He said, Pastor, I'm, i got to tell you this, uh, really a solid person at our campus is leaving. I said, I, oh, tell me why. Because they were mad about the Christmas Spectacular, and they were mad about the Super Bowl preach-off. Now, Christmas Spectacular, 266 people bowed their knee and gave their heart to Jesus. But see, listen, listen. See, we don't like it the way it was done. Come on. Don't, don't listen. A thousand of you didn't come that weekend, so I know you were mad. And I absolutely couldn't care less. Listen, here's the deal. Now let me tell you why. Because that was me on the side of the road. And I was cut, and I was bruised, and I was dying, and somebody picked me up, and they brought me to an inn that loved me and cared for me. Now, that, we don't live in that America anymore. That was 1982, when everything was nice and easy, and now the world is whacked up and jacked up. And if we're going to win people that are in the ditch, that don't know anything about the church, that don't know anything about God, then we've got to go to where they are, and we've got to love them, and we've got to bring them. And so they said, but you know, you did a secular song, man, we, this is the house of God. This is the end for broken people. So a few times a year, we do a secular song to make people that have just been drug out of the ditch feel comfortable. And people say, well, I'm going to go where they don't do that. Go. Go to churches that don't see anybody saved. You know what I love about Faith Promise? We ruin traditional people. We ruin them, because here's the deal. They, people come, they love it. We've seen baptisms. We're going to baptize 500 people. That's the 500 reasons. On Easter, we're going to do all that. And they come, and they get mad, because we had Santa Claus. Satan Claus was here. Man, people are mad about it. Man, people are emailing me, and we're leaving, and we're doing that. Man, we're, are you with me? Does this make sense? Because, see, we've been in the end so long, we've forgotten. We've forgotten. And I'm telling you, God did not drag me out of the ditch to sit around and sip coffee with saints that got out of the ditch 30, 40, 50 years ago. But he saved me to keep dragging people out of the ditch. So, man, my mercy. Don't let East Tennessee religion ruin the end called faith promise. Does this make sense? I mean, it makes sense. Some people think it's sin, but see, the end needs to be at the proximity of pain. Yeah, man, we had tons of people here this weekend that are broken, hurting. They need to know this is a place for them. This is not a showcase for, it's not a showcase for the trophies of God. This is a bunch of people that got drug out of the ditch. We still got some wounds. Are you with me? Number two, can you, I got three more. I don't know if you can handle this. See, 
At the end, we give people permission to care. He spends the whole night ministering to this guy he's never met. That's why we know it's Jesus. He gets up in the morning, goes to the innkeeper, says, listen, my buddy still can't get up. My buddy still, listen, take care of my buddy. Whatever it takes, take care of my buddy. And see, today, the end of God, the church, we walk in, we look at the people in the ditch, and we say, it's your fault you're there. Man, you, you, you're reaping what you sowed. Pull yourself up by, get on up, get on up, forgetting that we were in the ditch and somebody drug us out. Come on, church. Man, the church ought to care. There's seven billion reasons to care, and the majority of those people are not going to heaven. So we reserve the right to care about people at Faith Promise Church. Are y'all with me? Rich, poor, black, white, doesn't matter. Man. But this is the deal. Well, if we care for everybody, people will think that we're condoning their sin. That's what they did to Jesus, by the way. He's a wine-bibber. He's a drunkard. He's He's Beelzebub. He's the prince of the demons. See, everything that Jesus ministered to and the people Jesus cared for, they said, well, he's just condoning all that sin. Let him think it. That's why I hated the news article two weeks ago. I got texts by so many churches, God, we thought y'all were the gay church. I don't care what the other churches think about us. I don't care how they point and talk about us. What I care about are the people in the ditch. Jesus said, I didn't come for the well, I came for the sick. Let me give you another one. Can you handle any more? Number three, God gave us the power to spend at the end. He said, whatever it costs. Hey, whatever it costs, when I come back, I'll pay the bill. He left him two denarii. He squared the bill up to that point, but he said, you're going to spend some more money taking care of people that are in the ditch. Go ahead and spend it. Go ahead, whatever you spend, I'll take care of it. Spend abundantly. Go ahead and spend whatever it takes to get 20,000 people here for Easter. Do whatever it takes to get almost 10,000 people here for Christmas Spectacular. Do whatever it takes to get people in here for Mother's Day. Do whatever it takes. Spend whatever it takes. Spend abundantly. He said in in Philippians 4.19, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. We have a promise to hold. You know what he said? I'm coming back. I'll be back. Trust me. Take care, of the, take care of this guy. Spend whatever you need to spend. Do whatever you got to do. Here in the end, I'm coming back. Hey, when I come back, I'm going to reward you. But guess what? In our reward is not here because this is not our home. Our reward many times for taking care of the people in the ditch is to get dirt, dirt kicked in our face. They killed Jesus for it, by the way. He said, if you'll love me and you'll walk by my name, they'll hate you too. They'll accuse you of everything. They'll say this. They'll say that. They'll blame you. They'll, put, they'll do all that kind of stuff. Are you with me? He said, don't worry, I'm coming back. I'm going to bring a bunch of angels, and when I come back, you're going to you, get your reward. He told Peter, 10,000%. So come on, church. Let's pick some people up. That, some of them don't even know they're in the ditch. They're racked by all kind of stuff, man. Our culture is just destroyed with sin, isn't it? Just devastated. 
Just bring them. Ask God right now, God, who do you want? Who are you working on? That's in the ditch. I don't know they're in the ditch. Who are you working on? That's my that's been my prayer for the last three weeks. God, who is it that you want me and Michelle to bring? Who is it you want me to invite to be my special guest on multiple Easter services? Open my eyes. See, we're going to help other people get in on the new rivers and new roads. And you're going to be the road God's going to use. It's going to be new roads. And people are going to move into a new way. Does that make sense? So it's what God wants to do. There's 500 reasons. And one of them is because people are still in the ditch. And religion's going to pass by them. And the culture's going to pass by them. But we people who follow Jesus, who are part of the faith promise family, we do not pass by people in the ditch. Are y'all with me? Come on, somebody. Now, at all of our campuses right now, maybe someone is revealing, maybe God is speaking to you right now, revealing that it's you that are in the ditch. That you've been following a religion, but you don't have a relationship. And it, listen, East Tennessee, man, the religious, this whole, God, it sucks. It's blocking the gospel. It's blocking the gospel. And God's spoken to you, and it's your time to enter into a relationship with God. He's standing at the door knocking. If you'll hear his voice, he'll open the door and come in, and you'll sup with him and he with you. So in just as a matter of fact, with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to pray this simple prayer. We're going to pray it together. We're going to turn from our old life. We're going to turn to our to the new life that God has for us. So right now at every campus, let's just all pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I'm in the ditch. Help me. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. You died for me. You're rescuing me. I want to live for you. Use me as a part of, of, to be in your end. In Jesus' name. And all God's people say, come on, somebody give God some praise in the house, would you? Now, if you just prayed that prayer with us and you just opened your heart up to Jesus, whether you're on the internet, God Behind Bars, LMU, Pellissippi, if you'll just, internet, you, you can go right there online and you can click right there. You can go to the chat room. But if you'll just take the communication card, give your name, email, cell number, just check the box. I prayed with the pastor. I gave my heart to Jesus. We're going to follow up with a phone call and email. We're not going to chase you down. See, we can't chase you down. You either want it or not. Amen. You either want in. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. He said, well, so we can't drag people down an altar, down an aisle. to a, we, can't, we can't drag people to a baptistry. We just don't do that. You want it, it's right here for you. If you don't, we love you. When you come back, we'll be waiting. So, but if you just gave us, filled the card out in just a minute when the offering buckets are passed, just drop the card in the offering bucket. If you're a guest, if you'd put the guest card in the offering bucket, that's all we ask of you. We don't want your money. We care about your heart. We care about your forever. So just put that in. We're not going to knock on your door. We're not going to disrupt your dinner. We just want to shoot you an email, give you a ring, say, how can we serve you? How can we help you? 
But as we, so if you just drop those in the offering bucket, but as we get ready to worship through the, through the act of generosity and giving, we, Faith Promise, we're always about taking the next step. And for some of you, you're going to take your next step and give this weekend for the very first time. You're going to step on a new river, on a new, a new road, and into a new river of generosity. Somebody, man, you're, you're going you're gonna to step on. Some of you are going to begin tithing for the first time. Praise God. See, when you step into God's generosity journey, you op- listen, God opens the windows of heaven and says, here, check this out. Are y'all with me? He said, I'll bless you to the level that you cannot contain it all. He's not just talking about money. Come on, man. Money's just a tool. There are a lot of things I'd like to have more than money. Joy, Jesus, my wife. Listen, I could, I could go on all night long. So if your next step is generosity, then join on in. Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, each one's got to do. Listen, you got to do, Right? Sounds like a country preacher. You got to do just as you purpose in your heart. Not grudgingly. Listen, if you don't want to give it, keep it. Amen. Let me just make it easy for you. Just keep it. Ain't no big deal. And promisers are generous. No, but just keep it. God says, if it's up, if you're going to say, oh man, come on. Oh, just keep it. No problem. Don't give under compulsion. Nobody's got a whip and chain over you. Nobody's, man, there's no threat. Come on. For God loves a what? Woo! It's offering time. This is my favorite part. See, offering means he's done preaching. Hallelujah. Praise God. It means Applebee's next. Come on. It means we're going to the Dairy Queen. And so, man, just listen, hilarious. God just loves a hilarious giver. Amen. Michelle and I love to give. We've already talked about what we're going to do, heart for the harvest. Can we up that? Can we take this money and that money and pool it up? Man, we just love to give. There are people in this church who carry $100 bills in their purses and bilfo looking for, a way, looking for a place to give it. And some of you are saying, well, they could give it here. Man, they, they, can I tell you, if they gave it to you, they'd get way more blessed than you would. So I'm going to pray and the ushers are going to come. Has it been good to be in the house of God this weekend? Listen, there's 500 reasons why you got to bring people. Work on now. Don't wait till the day before Easter. Who are you bringing? Don't bring church members from other churches. There's no kingdom advantage when a sheep jumps from one, one pasture to the other pasture. There's no kingdom growth in that, right? But when a goat becomes a sheep, when someone in the ditch gets in the end, God, God, thank you for the generosity of this church. I pray that you will explode it a thousand times. Those people that begin the journey this weekend, God, would you just open up the windows of heaven and pour out, God, baptize them with a blessing that they never dreamed. So, God, take this moment as we give, God. We just give because we love you. We give out of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, give him a shout as we begin to give.